Hello everyone, this is Brother Chris Hewitt again with you for another episode of Missionary Mondays. If you've not already, go and follow us on our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Who Will Go. And uh, today, we are so excited. We've got one of our friends, mentor, our hero, uh, Brother Rob Robert Pattonall, that's his full name, but we call him Brother Bob, amen, and uh, I, 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 all the time I'm going through my, my contacts looking for Brother Bob, and I can't ever find it, and it's Brother, <laughs> it's Brother Robert, so, uh, but this is Brother Bob Pattonon, he is a friend and a hero and a mentor, his family is uh, such a blessing, several uh, years ago, or a couple years ago, we did a tent meeting with them, uh, where they're laboring now, up in southern part of Indiana, had a uh, an amazing time, some providential hindrances and providential opportunities uh, during that time, and Brother Bob, it is great to have you on uh, Missionary Mondays this morning, are you doing all right today? We're well, thank you, thank you for letting me have a part into your ministry here. Yes, sir. Well, we love y'all, and uh, we're going to get right into it. Me and Brother Bob have this problem where we'll talk forever, amen, and so uh, we want to get into this and get y'all, uh, get get some good info and some just some good background uh, to you. Brother Bob, I'm going to ask you the same questions I ask every week, and uh, the first question we're going to ask today is, uh, can you tell us about your background, your call, your testimony, if you will? Amen. I I was uh, raised on the West Coast out in uh, San Francisco. I ra- raised in a very Oriental area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. I walked through two uh, two Chinese neighborhoods, uh, well, Chinese, Japanese, Korean neighborhoods yes, to get to high school. So I was familiar. Thirty percent of our high school was Chinese. Yes, sir. And so I was, uh, I was very interested in, in the Orient, and uh, I was still unsaved in those years, uh, although I was in church, and that was, that was uh, as much a danger to my soul, being in church all those years and not getting saved, as anything else. But I grew up in that area of the country. I didn't get involved in the, all of the cultural aspects that were going on in those years. Those were the hippie years, LSD yes, years, and all that, and and by the by, the grace of God, I I do believe it was the Lord uh, paying attention to the prayers of two sisters that were praying for Amen. me from the time I was three or four years old. That didn't didn't go to heaven until after I was off in the military, and I'm not even sure that they were gone with and with the Lord before I was saved. I just didn't have the contact with them at that time. But after after God saved me, uh, and I wondered. Uh, you know, looking back through those years, I wondered how that, about the Lord preserving me from so many things that I could have been caught up in. Uh, and and that didn't mean I was sinless. Yes, <laughs> Lord, it didn't mean I didn't get into some kind of trouble, but it, but it, uh, you know, as a lost teenager. Uh, but I look back at what all could have taken place in my life, uh, what I could have jumped into thinking I was going to have a ball and it seemed like I was hindered in every front, but I had good parents yes, sir. and I had parents that did watch to where I went and they knew who my friends were. Uh, 
like I, I believe I believe I believed in those days they had a spy out there. <laughs> <laughs> I know that watching feeling. Me or something. I know that feeling. But uh, even if they even if that were the case, I'd thank God for it today. Yes, sir. But uh, uh, I I know what it was. There were two women that were in church after I was saved. My mother told me about two women. I've got their names written in the front of every Bible. Amen. That I have. That my after I got saved, my mother told me about two women that were praying. Now, this is what they were praying. They were praying that God would call me to preach the gospel. How about that? Now, see, they didn't they didn't know all that was happening, and they just thought, well, here's a here's a well, what they thought was the clean young man, what they thought was a clean young man in church, and I was there every time the doors were open. So they took me as a Christian, and they they were praying that God would call me to preach. Well, God was paying attention to their prayers. They were they were godly women, but I believe both of them from Oklahoma Amen. that had settled Amen. back in the war years or even before that in California, maybe even as far back as the Dust Bowl days in Oklahoma when a lot of people went out there, you know, from that part of the country. Those are the people that settled that town on the east side of the San Francisco Bay. And they were praying for this, this boy. Amen. And they may have been praying for me all the way to the time that I was saved. And, and I don't know that for sure, but I, 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 my mom gave me their name and said, you know, they prayed to God call you to preach. Amen. Oh, years and years and years they prayed. And I, I thanked God and I've thanked God hundreds of times specifically for just letting those ladies pray for this old boy. Yes, sir. And, um, but anyway, I, I do believe God does that. I do believe God answers people's prayers that way. And I God knows what's coming. Amen. God knows what's coming down the road. And two ladies, two 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 of his children praying for a young man. Amen. And God God saved me when I was almost twenty-two years of age. And sure enough, two months later, you know, God had to save me to call me to preach. Right. Amen. <laughs> so Two months later, after God saved me, sure enough, he called me to preach. And I was, I saw, I was a young man that was in church. And, and in those, when I was in the service there, those years, before my wife and I got saved, we were actually in an independent Baptist church, but we had passed, you know, I, I got, I was, I was dunked when I was nine years old and, and uh, without knowing anything, yes, sir. people didn't dealt and deal with me properly. I'm not digging. I'm just saying that's what happened to me. And, and, uh, they, uh, you know, they put me through the water and, and so I had a letter, I had a church membership letter to carry around the country all those years. And that's a danger, you know, yes, that's a danger when, it, when you're unsaved and you, but you can join any church, you know, because you got a letter and that's what I did, but God saved me. Thank the Lord Amen. for his wonderful grace. I, 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 it, it would take, it would take another hour to give all the details, how the Lord brought me, but he used an evangelist by the name of Carl Woodbury to, to point us, to point that bony finger in my face. And it was really God. It was yes, the sir. finger of God. And, uh, and my wife and I both came under the conviction of God's Holy ghost down in Key Largo, Florida and Homestead, Florida. And we were saved on December 6, 1977. Amen. And uh, I was I was almost 22 years of age. And then God called me to preach. And I thought, you know, I thought at that time, 
if uh, if if there if there's people like there must be other people like me that have the same in the same condition in church and lost and being patted on the back and being called a Christian and on my way to hell. And uh, that that was one of the greatest things that the Lord put in my heart uh, when he called me to preach. Yes, sir. That there's got to be others that are in the same condition. That all the lost people are not out there in drugs. That's see? right. All the lost people are not out there in prostitution and wicked, you know, obvious wickedness. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of them in the church pews. Yes, sir. And uh, But we're not picking or digging, but we just know that to be a fact yes, from our own testimony. So God called me to preach then. And later on, in, uh, later on, God gave me a church to pastor uh, in Donellan, Florida. I pastored there five years. And it was during that time that the Lord brought again the, my attention to Asian people. Yes, sir. And while I was in the service, by the way, I also spent a year in Korea, see? So that was uh, growing up with Asians, and God put me in Korea for a year. And although it was before I was saved, I do, I do believe it was the hand of God. And I, I learned more about Asian people, and, uh, and I began to fall in love with them again. And I began to pray. I began to pray that God would send. Now I was pastoring a church back in 82 to 87. 1982 to 1987, a little place called Dunellen, Florida, west of Ocala, if you, anybody knows where that is. And uh, uh, I began to pray, ask God to send me some missionaries that knew something about what was happening with the Chinese people anywhere. And you know, God answered that prayer. All of a sudden, I started getting calls. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> missionaries call you anyway, but, yes, sir. but it was very specific. I was getting calls from men who were veteran missionaries among Chinese people, missionaries to Taiwan, Singapore. And uh, then I met a man too that uh, uh, had, had been in the mainland. And uh, we had a daughter, we have a daughter. <laughs> She's still with us, yes, man. We have a daughter that was born with hydrocephalus water on the brain and yes, had had shunt surgeries and all. And so we didn't think, we didn't think we could ever take her to uh, to a foreign mission field. We thought we could never get care, proper care for her. And we began to pray about that. Yes. But we didn't know that the Lord wanted us to go. We just thought we were just praying for missionaries to the Chinese. And then the Lord began to burn it into us. And so we began to pray that way. And we were telling ourselves, oh, the Lord wouldn't send us over there with our daughter. Yeah. I mean, there are probably no hospitals that could take care of or anything like that. So one in 1987, we were at uh, the Pleasant View Baptist Church camp meeting in Taylor, South Brother Carolina. Larry Rains. Brother Larry Rains was still a pastor there in, at that time and would be yet for another yes, many years. And uh, uh, Dr. Gordon Carpenter was preaching and he was preaching out of Romans chapter 14 and he got into verse 23 and he, he said, he, he re, you know, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And he said, if he said, he made this statement, he said, if you are not following into the will of God, going, going toward the will of God, because you are afraid that God will not answer an impossible prayer. He said, that's sin. Hmm. <laughs> 
my, my. Lord, I tell you what, I it put me in a different world. Yes, sir. That put me in a different world. And I hit that altar, and my eldest son hit the altar, and this is what he said. My, my, my eldest son, he was just uh, 10 years old at the time. This is what he said. He just looked at me in the eyeballs, and he said, we're going to China, aren't we, Dad? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That childlike faith. So I started seeing how this had just gone through the hearts of my yes, whole sir. family. So we got, I got up from there, and when I got up and stood up, Dr. Carpenter was coming down from the platform, and God put us face to face. I mean, literally, nose to nose. I was standing right up there. You know, there was no barrier or anything in that tabernacle. And I stood up, and there was Dr. Carpenter, nose to nose with him. Yes. And he said, is there something I can pray with you about? And I told him, we sat down and I told him the whole story and we had prayer. And I remember him putting, I, we're not charismatics, you know, but Dr. Carpenter put his hands on my daughter's head and prayed. That was in June of 1987. He prayed that God would not allow anything to happen to that girl who would prevent God's call upon our life. That was when she was six years old. To this day, she's never had another surgery. That's right. And uh, you say, well, God does that for everybody. I don't know what God will do for no. you. God has a plan for you. God has an individual purpose for every one of his children. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God we're not all geared the same way, put together. Thank, thank God we're not all the same. That's right. But I can say this. I, I can look back over all these years since 1987. I don't know what the Lord will do tomorrow. But I know what the Lord's done since that time Dr. Carpenter prayed for our daughter. And uh, we took her to the mission field. Amen. And we never had a, never had a problem. Yes, sir. And uh, so we took that. We took that. 14, uh, Romans 14, 23. And we went to the mission field on that. Amen. So uh, we worked for many years on the inside let me just say it that way many years on the inside we had many things we had we saw souls saved we yes. saw we saw young preachers god raise up young preachers and that was in a year where you couldn't outright start a church there uh i mean yourself and you could certainly couldn't advertise anything yes, you couldn't tell too many people about it but people began to come worship with us and we saw god raise up some young men to to take those people and start churches we we saw some young men that would go out to other places and start churches and it was our duty our responsibility obviously to teach those men the word of god and that's what we did and we spent time doing that well the uh that's that's our call to the ministry uh that's that's what the lord did Yes, sir. And uh, you have a second. Yes, sir. Well, I want to say this: all that that he just mentioned, up until them, uh, up until their call, all that happened before I was born. <laughs> uh, so, How about that? <laughs> uh, I was born in February of 1988, um, and that's why I want. I, that's why Brother Baloo used to tell me to surround myself with men that are much further down the road than I am, and uh, I sometimes I feel like. 
Brother Bob is so far down the road. I don't even know if we're on the same road sometimes. I, I, I'm, I, I'm thankful. But that's, that, that's why I wanted y'all to get to meet Brother Bob is because um, there were so many things that they had to face and they, they went through. Um, and and my, my son, he has a shunt. We've had, I think he's had seven surgeries up until this point. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. we, we travel all the time. We're in and out of different countries all the time. And me and Brother Bob have spoke about this. There is a concern of, you know, taking Ezra to these different places. And, um, but this past year we went to, or this year we went to St. Vincent and the Grenadines together for the first time. And, uh, and that, those kind of stories is what challenged me. Brother Bob, I I don't know if you'd be willing to talk about it, but, um, I want you folks to know that on the mission field, it's not all, and in life, in the Christian walk, it's not always easy. And, uh, brother Bob, and his his family they lost a son on the mission field would you be willing to uh go into that a little bit brother bob uh yes sir we that was 1992 we had come out of the mainland uh we'd been inside the mainland for two and a half years at that time we came out we were going to have to change locations yes sir uh for the so that we would not get overexposed in one location I think we're safe saying that. Yes, <laughs> and uh, so we came out to work on just changing location. We just went to Hong Kong. Uh, one of the things that I had on my heart in those years was going to, uh, uh, what was the fact that when we when we were inside, we had a very hard time getting literature. Uh, we had people, couriers bring us material, but, um, we knew that uh, uh, it had to come an awful long way. We were in the north, and it had to come a long way. And not all of the men who did that work at that time could go that far north. Uh, it was a lot more dangerous in yes. that day. So I took a trip to Russia, and I was wondering. You know, everybody was saying that the the wall had fallen, and you know, the Berlin Wall had fallen, and everything was opened up. And I was inclined to think, well, maybe so. So I took a trip. Well, <laughs> it wasn't all falling down That's everywhere. Right. I guarantee you. I mean, it was still pretty stiff. And so <laughs> still is in a lot of I was in, Yes, yes. And I went to the I went to the eastern side. Very few men at that time had been over to the in eastern Russia along the Pacific, Vladivostok, in that area, um, which borders North North Korea and China and. Uh, is across Vladivostok is directly west of uh, Japan, Kobe, Japan. If you come across the water, yes, sir. so very few uh, men had been over there. It was hard to get information because it, we couldn't find people to give us any information. Mm-hmm. So we, so I said, well, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to try. So uh, the the going through the China part was not hard. And then I took a plane uh, uh, across from Harbin, China, into Russia, Khabarovsk, Russia. And God put a man there to help me. I was not a saved man, but he was a university professor at the uh, Far East State University in Russia. And God put him there, a man who could speak Russian, Chinese, and English. How about that? All three languages. 
And and he said, you ever been here before? And I said, no. I mean, we we're standing at the airport getting off a plane. You ever been here before? And I said, no. He said, you speak Russian? No. You know where you're headed? No. <laughs> he said, you're a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, I don't know how, I don't know if it's brave or if I'm just stupid, but I'm, I'm up here. Um, I'm up here to try to do something for the Lord. Yeah. See what I can do. He said, well, you better stay with me. That's right. Well, I didn't know how, I mean, who do you know who to trust? That's you just right. have to trust the Lord. It's better trust the Lord than to put your confidence in men. So I wasn't putting confidence. I was trusting the Lord. Yes. I wasn't putting confidence in that man necessarily, but there he was. And I knew that the, the Lord had led me thus far. So I wasn't going to turn back now, you know? Yes, so that, that man took me to Vladivostok. That's where I needed to go. He got me a room in the far, far East State University for nothing. How about that? And I just, just told him he was, I was a friend. <laughs> and uh, I had to share the room with three big rats, but, uh, <laughs> or more. I don't know how many, but I knew there were at least three of them. But I stayed up there during, the, during that time that I was up there and uh, did some survey and talked to some people about you know, how, how I could stay there, what would be the possibility of us setting up a base up there for literature into back into China, actually. Yes, and I said, yeah. and I said, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people and I told them I, I'd want to live there. I'd want to bring my family there. So we, I got to have discussions with a lot of people. Actually, everyone was friendly, but we found out that our obstacles would be and our difficulties would be facing the, the Russian Orthodox people, yes, Russian Orthodox yes. Church, because they have, they actually have uh, input into who gets visas. They did in that time. I don't know about now, but they had, a, they had input along with the <laughs> mafia yes, sir. who gets, who gets to have visas and who not, who doesn't. Now the mafia runs so, the country, but that's a whole nother. Yeah. Thing. The, the, at that time, the, the Russian Orthodox priests, a lot of them were, were part of the mafia. Yes, sir. Just to be quiet open about it. I mean, that's the way it was. So that was, uh, that was 92. So I, uh, while I was there one night, I was in, I was in my room and, uh, it just, it seemed like the Lord said, you need to get home. You need to get home. And I got an anxiety to get home that I, I never, I never suffered anxiety attacks or anything like that, but I had an anxiety and I realized it was not something I'd eaten. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's something, it was something much deeper. And I began to pray and, and it seemed like the Holy ghost just said, get home. And, uh, so I, what it took me three weeks to get there through all of the red tape and visas. And so I said, I got to get home. So I went and told the man immediately. I knocked on the door of the man that got me the room. I said, I got to go home. He said, okay, well, I'll take you back to the, to the train. He, he took me to the train station, helped me get tickets and gave me instructions. That man was a blessing. I mean, yes, it was, yes, a he wasn't saved. I witnessed to him, but he hadn't gotten saved when I left, but the Lord put him there. Yes, I, sir, I believe absolutely. The man. And so he got me to the train station. He gave me, wrote out some instructions for me. I got to Kabarovsk. I had a ticket. Seemed like I had a ticket to get on a plane just like that. And I got flew to Harbin, seemed like I had a plane ticket just like that. Wow. And I was flying down over, uh, I mean, what had taken me three weeks was taking me a matter of hours 
to, to do the other direction. My goodness. And it was just God. And I, I, when we got close to uh, Shenzhen, I had a ticket to go into Shenzhen. They came over the radio and they said, we can't fly into Shenzhen. There'd been a typhoon come through and the weather was going to prevent them to fly, from flying in and we're going to have to fly uh, land in Guangzhou, which is old Canton. And so we landed there, and when we landed there, I mean, their Doppler radar must have been doing handstands when they tried that plane was, I mean, and we got off, they couldn't bring it up because of the winds, they couldn't bring it up to the terminal. We had to get out on the tarmac and get in buses, and it was blowing the buses just about over. So we got back under the, under the awnings at the tabernacle, uh, tabernacle at the airport, the tarmac, the terminal. Yes, sir. And uh, I got too many T's, tarmac, yeah, terminal, tabernacle. Yeah, I got too many T's running through my mind. Might as well write a message on it. Yes, so uh, I, uh, I was standing there wondering, how am I going to get to Shenzhen and cross the border into Hong Kong where my family is? And a man walks up to me and he said, he said, where do you need to go? Chinese man, taxi driver. I said, I need to get to Shenzhen. He said, I'll take you. I said, in this storm? He said, I'll take you. And he set a price and I paid, I, I'd have paid a lot more. Yeah. And, but I paid him his money up front and we headed out. Right? And he ran that car. I'm telling you what, I'm surprised he didn't burn up his motorway. He ran that car. Took me to Shenzhen, dumped me out in, in Shenzhen. And I had a couple blocks. I had to walk then to the terminal. And uh, what had happened, uh, I mean, I can tell you a lot of little details from there to where I got home. But when I got home, uh, I learned that uh, my two boys had been out that day and uh, in a in a river area, which the last time we had walked at, at father and sons walking out there together, it was a dry riverbed. Yes, sir. And they were they decided they were going to walk out two brothers, one fifteen and one twelve. And they decided that they were going to walk out there and and just go exploring together. Dad was dad was away. They're going to have fun together. And they were walking out there. Well, what happened is that same typhoon that was hindering that flight had come across Hong Kong that day and had and flash flooded that riverbed and took my boys out in the water. And uh, so they uh, had uh, uh, a man was able to get Matthew out of the river with bamboo poles and uh, they uh, could not get to Caleb and finally called the fire department and divers did find his body and he had been held down in a whirlpool and uh, an Olympic swimmer couldn't have got out of there so uh, anyway the Lord took him on and we we did we did recover his body and uh, brought him back to the states. And he's uh, he is uh, interred in there. His body is. He's with the Lord. Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, he knew the Lord. Yes, he loved. He loved not only loved the Lord, but he loved souls yes, as a twelve-year-old boy. Yes, sir. And he's interred in Calvary Cemetery in uh, Knob Nostra, Missouri. And uh, not Knob Nostra, I'm sorry, Quarter, Missouri, C-O-R-D-E-R, Quarter, Missouri. And uh, 
some, uh, we, we returned to the field, uh, after we brought him back, we returned to the field. There was no headstone or nothing yes, sir. there. And a family, a family in Missouri paid for a, a stone yes, sir. for us. And, uh, we put we put on there, um, put his name on there and put, uh, missionary to China yeah. <laughs> Amen. on that headstone. Yes, sir. And, um, his favorite song was, it was well with my soul. Amen. It is well with my soul. So we had that inscribed, that title inscribed underneath there. So anyway, we have one waiting for us Amen. on the other shore. Yes, sir. Amen. I tell Amen. you folks, you know, we think a lot of times when we get in the will of God and that this is why I wanted brother Bob to tell that story. We think a lot of times when we get in the will of God that once we find the will of God, we get to serving God, that everything's going to be easy. And the truth of the matter is, it's not always easy. No. And uh, more times than not, it's probably not going to be easy. But God uses those times of suffering, and I can't even explain it, but He uses those times of suffering to prepare us for his labor and, and his work and, and my goodness um, they this family's helped us we many of you know we've got five in heaven and, and, and these these things have helped us and I can't imagine how it's helped other people through the years and I didn't mean to hold you up that long on that one brother Bob but I appreciate That's you sharing well, no, I just let me add this it doesn't matter doesn't matter these things uh, these things come but you're still better off serving the Lord That's right you're still better, better off, off serving the Lord, I guarantee you. No better Amen. life than serving Jesus. And no better life. No better that. life. Well, uh, what this second question is, uh, can you tell us about the people God has called you to, their culture, their history, etc.? And before you go into this, if you are a proponent of communism, by now in this interview, you should at least have the idea that communism is not a good idea. And and uh, whether it be from Russia or China, whatever brand of communism, it is not a good idea, and it hinders the gospel. Uh, you you have you have proven yourself to be a master of understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying not to chase a, a, a rabbit uh, too big of a rabbit. So yeah, uh, I understand. I'll understand. let you answer the question about the people God's called you to and their culture and all that in the history. Amen. Well, the the, the Chinese people are are far broader of course in in their in their life and in their culture the the they it's far broader than the political spectrum yes sir and actually the political thing is is bound in the hearts and minds of certain elite people that run everything and it's not necessarily in the heart and the minds of the people that right. just the common people that you meet and uh we have never we have never run in well I, I i'm trying to think i i've never run into anyone uh inside inside china that was antagonistic toward us uh on that account yes sir um i can't really well as long as you don't tag this too no, bad i won't uh this um we homeschool our children and in our apartment in one city where we were, we had a little small American flag up in the corner and where the children pledged to the flag every morning, see? And uh, so a one of, the, one of the men that we worked with, 
young preachers, uh, he came to visit, he came to the house and he said, can I bring my dad to come see you? I want my dad to meet you. And I said, sure. I'd forgotten about that flag. Mm -hmm. So in a few, a few days, he brought his dad and his dad was in there and we were talking, getting to know one another. And his dad kept, had kept looking at that flag. And I, so I asked the, the young preacher, I said, ask your dad if he's offended that we have a flag up there. And uh, he asked his dad quite openly. And his dad said this, he said, he said, the Chinese people always respect a patriot. How about that? Isn't that something? Yes, sir. And we've got, we've got them walking the streets today that don't. Yeah. Yes, sir. In America. They probably don't respect us very much right now. No. So at any rate, uh, we were, I was in one city in China when the first time we ever bagged bomb dad, uh, bomb, bagged bomb dad, we bagged <laughs> bomb dad, bomb bag dad. Yes, sir. And uh, you didn't know we bagged bomb dad, no, did I you? Didn't. So uh, we, uh, I was in a department store where they had these televisions all lined up and they had it on television, believe it or not. And there were these old blue suited uh, Chinese guys. Yeah. I mean, they were the old men and they had the old Chinese mouse suits on yes, and, uh, and, and blue caps, you know, that you'd see typically of that generation, the generation actually, uh, that was ending in the early nineties. And I walked up behind them. I was watching the TV myself. Yes, sir. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. seen any of that. Yeah. And, uh, so they were, they were all, it responded every time they'd hear a bomb blow up or something, a missile hit something. They go, Oh, they'd, they'd get real excited That's about that. it. Finally, they, one of them or two of them turned around. They saw me standing there and they asked me if I was an American. And I said, yes, they just about hauled me up on their shoulders. <laughs> they, they, they were Yay. for us. Yeah. They were for us. Yeah. I'm talking about common people now. Yes, now sir, that, I understand. Yeah. The, the, you know, the the elite and the the leadership of their country would not have said mm. anything like that but the but the common people so we never met uh among among chinese people we never met uh many of them that were antagon antagonistic toward us on that account before you move on the one time well i've been through through china not to china but through it a couple yeah. of times and everywhere i go I, and you know this i try to find a, a country flag to put on my guitar case and i typically buy them in airports i could not find a chinese flag in a chinese airport like a decal or something could not find it i went to seven or eight different stores and i kept asking why finally i said why can't i who why who's gonna have a flag they said nobody's gonna have a flag they said we don't want it you know and that was just how honest they were they said we don't have them yeah. we don't have them yeah. so uh, that, but that's the common people, like you just said. Yeah, just common people. Common people. Just common people, yeah. It's not that they are not, uh, it's not that they don't love their country. That's right. It's, it's the, they don't love that aspect. That's right. That's right. And they know that they've been deceived. Yes, sir. And they've learned it. The more they, the more they learn and the more they learn of the rest of the world, which they're able to now because of the internet, the, the more they know that they've been yes, deceived sir. over the years. So, uh, that is not, that is not a hindrance, uh, either. Uh, but they are Chinese people 
and there are there are there are Chinese characteristics uh, that you have to deal with. They uh, you you have to you have to. I'm I'm I I seem to Americans as if I am very overbearing in my insistence on a literal interpretation yes. of the Bible. I seem to Americans that way, but when you when you stress being literal in your interpretation of the scriptures to Asians, Chinese, Filipinos, it matters not. They're all Asians. And there's that characteristic. They can understand that because it gives them a a hope and a security. There's something that's real. There's, they're not messing around with alternative interpretations of this passage and that passage. You just believe what you read on the page. If it can be believed and accepted literally, and there's no obvious, uh, there's no obvious um, metaphor given. Yes. The Spirit yes. of God doesn't tell you it's not literal. Just take it literally. Go with it. Trust God with it. And and we found out that that helps Asian people. I don't know why it doesn't help American people. <laughs> <laughs> but but the but uh, uh, the, that's a that's a, a help to working with uh, Asians. Yes, sir. They yes, want sir. to know something is black and white, not gray. Yes, sir. They want to know something is is understandable. It's not nebulous. It's out of not. Their reach. It's not out of their reach. They can they can reach it. They can see it on a page. They can believe it. They can trust it. And uh, and that's what people need to do with God's word anyway. Yes, sir. So uh, they that that's a that's a good Asian characteristic. Now they have a lot of uh, you know um, we 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 could not endorse Confucianism obviously. But Confucianists, uh, Con- Confucianists actually uh, in centuries past were homeschoolers. How about that? They believed in they believed in parental education at home. Yes, sir. Parents teaching their own children, so the parents would teach themselves, so they could teach their children. So it made stronger families. Family centric culture. Yes. To this and, day, even course, when they come over here, they're very family centric. That's right. That's right. Of course, the uh, communists tried to tried to expunge that. Yes, sir. Uh, through the Cultural Revolution, nineteen seventy six to nineteen seventy six, uh, was that big burnout period of the Cultural Revolution. But the but the the Chinese people can accept quite easily from their past uh, a biblical teaching on home and family. So that's a, it's a wonderful thing. We that that delighted us to see that they yes. could uh, pretty re- pretty readily understand. If you just made black black and white white with them, they said, "Hey, that we can handle that." Yes. Sir. So we saw strong families. We see strong families there today. We see strong congregations because of the strong families. Is it and, the same uh, way like that in the Philippines? From what I've uh, experienced. Philippines would argue, Filipinos argue with you a little bit, but they'll come on board. <laughs> yes, sir. but they're family-centric <laughs> though, right? Yeah, they are. They are. And they and they have large families. But uh, when you get into child discipline and so forth, uh, you have to work with them a little yes, bit sir. on it. You know, they'll, they'll come back and say, uh, well, we, you know, we don't do things that way here. And this and this and that and the other. And I said, well, if you're going to believe the Bible and obey the Bible, you're going to do it. <laughs> See? And but they'll come on. They'll come on board. Uh, Filipinos are also Asian people. So you'd have the same. And oh, uh, well, I'm not into that aspect yet. 
uh, in the questioning, but yes, but the um, our our call to those people, you know, as I already said, had a lot to do with my upbringing among Chinese. People. Yes, sir. Time I spent in Korea, and the Lord putting all these things together: two plus two, four plus four. You know, the yes. whole the whole thing has the Lord puts the little blocks in order in your in your thinking and in your heart, and so. Um, that that's we learned we learned a lot i i it, i wonder why i never uh actually went to a chinese school or something when i was growing up i always i would get i'd go to san francisco get little uh, uh character sets out of the chinese stores with cards with the characters yes, and play with them a while but i had never nobody to encourage me i didn't know that i could have actually gone to a chinese high school and learned chinese you know that? But uh, anyway, those things were still part of my call. Yes, sir. Well, what what religion is predominant there? You mentioned Confucianism, but what? Well, um, Buddhism is still uh, Buddhism is still there. It's kind of shrouded over by the communism, but there are still Buddhist temples in the big city. The state, Buddhist state are, is really the religion, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's humanism. It's humanism. Yes, it's it's what's being taught in the public schools here. Yes, sir. And humanism, of course, can be manipulated by any ideology that is that wants to manipulate it. Yes, so, uh, because it takes God out, it, yes, God, hey, He is not in all their thoughts. Yes, sir. So, so it can be manipulated, uh, and and the communists know that. A knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of the Scripture, a knowledge of the true and living God, is is death to communism. Uh, a a spiritually free people want to be a physically free people. Yeah, because for a purpose. Why do Why do I want to be free here? I want to send missionaries. Why do I want to be free here? I want to preach the gospel. Yes. Why do I want to, Why want to Why do I want to be free here so that I can have another boat or another camper? No. So I can get another soul to Christ. Yes, sir. See? So uh, I'm not picking on you. You've got campers. Or no, I, well, <laughs> if Abraham was alive today, he wouldn't live in a tent. He would live in a camper. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, well, um, I, and and there's so much out there about the Asian cultures. If you've never, um, you know, a hundred years before Brother Bob got there, um there was there were great men that did a great work for Christianity, and the government just wiped it all out. And yeah, um, uh, I'll tell you. Let me let me add this to that though. They were great men. You, I mean, even though they weren't all what we are. No, you know? no. And and uh, when you talk when you talk about Jonathan Goforth, yes, sir, and all those men, and uh, he he was a Presbyterian from Canada. But he was a fundamentalist. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor. C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd. All those men, Robert, Robert Morrison. Yes, sir. All of those, all of those people, uh, and they were great men. And here, were, here was the weakness. Are you ready? Because I got to say this. You've told me before, but go ahead. Here's the weakness. They didn't plant churches. Yes, sir. Their emphasis was not on strong local assemblies. They did not have the emphasis. 
Now, who people that came by later came through later? John Birch and Fred Donaldson out of out of J. Frank Norris's church. Yes, they did. They did. They did. See. What what you t- was it? The fifties that they started wiping all that out, or was it before that? Well, they came to they came to power in the in forty nine. It took them a few years to get things cranked up. There were still some missionaries lingering on inside around different areas of China that got you know that eventually either got expelled or got killed yes sir uh in the in the 50s the the they were they were already very destructive by the mid 50s and they were burning down their forests and they were i mean they were making havoc of everything but the then of course they can never blame it on their own policies so by the by the 60s 1976 they were still blaming it on old Chinese culture. Hmm. So uh, they um, had the Cultural Revolution. I mean, tore I want to start you off mean, into something that's too complicated. they tore down statues and rewrote history? Is that what they did? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that in ni- 1976 to 1976. And, and there was a lot of good people that fell into it. And before they realized it, they were coming after them too. That's right. That's and right. That's man. We're in the danger of that today. Again, I don't, I'm trying not to get to that political side of it yeah, too much. Almost but, can't help. It. Almost can't. But that help is it. their culture. That is their history, <laughs> right. and we have to cover that. Well, the last question, Brother Bob, uh, and and those of you that don't know, Brother Bob was was there in China. He he spent time in the Philippines. Uh, and there is amazing work going on in the Philippines. It is just, but, go ahead. Let me say something. I, you know, we did go to Russia eventually. We did yes, smuggle sir. materials from Russia. We had to leave there after a couple of years because of uh, conflict at the Russian uh, Chinese border. Yes. Okay. So we didn't want to come back to the States. So we sh- we did come back for a short time but we went we that's how we ended up in the philippines yes sir so that we could continue to work into china from there and ended up the lord started to raise something up there anyway yes sir and and brother bob is just from here there and yonder uh his daughter uh one of his daughters is married to a man who grew up in as a missionary in russia is that right yes and and so I mean, just engulfed his sons. Uh, he's got he's got a son that's a Bible translator. He's got just pe- his kids are just spread out through everywhere, pastoring and missions, and and it's there's a resolve because one door would close and they would go to the next and they would go to the next. And right now they are in uh, Southern Indiana planting churches in a very hard place. I mean, there are bars everywhere. It, everybody has a religion, uh, and and but nobody has Christ. I, I mean, it is we we've been there, we've seen it, and so when I ask this next question, Brother Bob can answer for whatever country or place he, he wants to answer. But what is the biggest obstacle in in reaching those people? Well, I'll go I'll go backwards from here. From here, it is religion. Yes, sir. In Philippines, it's religion. <laughs> In China, it's religion. But it's it, there's a difference because here people have developed such a false piety and such a false uh, 
religious cover that doesn't exist even among Catholicism in in the Philippines. I mean, the yes, 90 is still somewhere about up around 90 percent of Filipinos are Roman Catholic. And that is because of the Hispanic background there, isn't it? 500 years of 500 years uh, of it, you know, yes. uh, the, you're talking about Cortez and all those guys that were sailing Spanish ship, you know, ships under the Spanish flag for, and they took Roman Catholic priests to the Philippines. Anyway, 500 years of that stuff. And it, and it dominated the Philippines also has a lot of Island superstition, uh, mystical stuff, witch doctor voodoo kind of stuff yes. is also there. But of course, Catholicism incorporates all that in ecumenical, they just bring it all in. And so you have that. And, um, we saw more open spiritism in the Philippines than we did actually in China. Uh, seemingly they have less control over their own spirit, if I can say it that way, than the Chinese do. Uh, but th that's obstacle there. Uh, so Catholicism, strong Catholicism is an obstacle in the Philippines. Buddhism was not much of an obstacle in China. It was, it was just a small influence and in what they call the doctrine of the mean, which is, uh, if I can do it here, just a balance means balance. The Chinese mind tries to keep everything on such a balance. Is that the yin and the yang stuff? Yeah, the yin and the yang and all, all of that stuff. That's called Jung Yong, and it's, it mean, it's the doctrine of the mean, E-M, I'm sorry, M-E-A-N, meaning medium, you know, yes. mean, the middle. All right. The doctrine of the middle. I have that problem physically, that doctrine of the middle. Kind of the bubble is in the middle. Yes, but, but they that that's a it's a problem there. All right. So in, in the United States, um, Americans are just too proud. Yes, sir. They don't listen. They're not listeners. And uh, they won't listen. I've noticed, I call it the doctrine of, I mean, I'm sorry, I call it the spirit of the motor mouth. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that <laughs> before. You get into it. If I'm in town here, get into a conversation and say, can I show you a verse in the Bible? All of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. Yes, sir. They'll talk for the next 45 minutes. Rich and increase with goods, have need of nothing. They that's right. That's right. And and so that's, that's an obstacle. But it's not just here in Salem, Indiana. No. That's... That's all over the country. But I'll tell you, uh, for, for a place where there's been so many Bible colleges in this area, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Louisville, Kentucky, there, are so, there is so little church planting in southern Indiana. It's incredible to me. I, uh, there's clusters of little towns down along the Ohio River on both sides of the river, the Kentucky and the Indiana side, where you can go county after county and after county, and there's never been any churches, any any solid Bible-believing churches planted there. So uh, that's a that's a great need here. And you say, well, why am I here? Well, if I could, if I could have gone instantly back into the mainland. Um, when I was when we were expelled, I would have uh, done that. Yes. But I'm not ever going to sit still. No. And so uh, the Lord may let me go back, 
but I'm not going to sit still here. There, there's right. so much, there's so much to do here and the Lord is blessing it. It's not, it's nothing is, it's not in vain. That's right. <laughs> I That's guarantee right. it's not in vain. And, uh, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing people come around and listen. We actually, the last couple of weeks had better numbers. Amen. And, uh, so it's an odd mix, Yes, but we're going to see what the Lord does. Amen. And, and it's encouraging to me, brother Bob, that y'all didn't quit. I mean, and I, I think I've talked about this on, on previous episodes, but God is just looking for people to be faithful and Absolutely. where brother Bob's at right now. He literally, he may be more of a pioneer missionary where he's at right now than he has any other place just about because of the hardness and there's steeples, there's buildings, but there there's very few churches. And, um, man, we need it. If you're sitting on a church pew somewhere and God's called you to preach and your life is consumed with career and putting a roof over your head and food on your plate, there's no, other than salvation, there's no difference between you and, and the heathen. That's what they are consumed right. with. Right. And right. can I beg you today, as you've heard Brother Bob's heart, as you've heard him talk about these different places and the need of the gospel in different places, can I beg you today to to consider the Great Commission? Consider uh, what you and your family can do to get the gospel. You say, well, Brother Chris, I'm not a preacher. Well, uh, show me a verse in the Bible where you have to be a preacher. Uh, show me to get the gospel out. Because the book of Acts, Brother Bob, everybody was getting the gospel out. And you know where a missionary can uh, can can go to a place that uh, let's take uh, Papua New Guinea for instance that you can go there on a missions visa but you cannot do anything else for work but say you're a man with a trade and you you feel the call to go help a missionary in Papua New Guinea be a song director be a Sunday school teacher because a church planner does everything every single thing he is the janitor he is the door opener. He's the door closer. He's the uh, the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the choir director, the everything. Say God wants you to go down there. You could go on a, a visa where you could go and use your trade that God has given you to work down in a place like that and labor alongside that missionary. And and right, there's just right. so many there's so many things that could be done, and we've limited it. In, in, in our minds and in our hearts. And, and what it boils down to is because we want the American dream. And the American dream is the American scheme. And uh, if you want to look at a hero, that, that this guy right here, not this guy, this guy right here, he's a hero. And left the American dream, left the opportunity, left the church he was pastoring, uh, and, and went and, and has served God. And I want you today... Uh, as we close this, and I'm going to ask Brother Bob if he's got any closing remarks, but as we close off today, I want you to think what, think about just asking God, what can I do to fulfill the Great Commission? Have you ever asked him that? And I want to remind you, that our theme, our, our, our title, I guess, is who will go, uh, Isaiah 6, 8, God asked the question, who will go for us? God the Father wants somebody to go. God the Son wants somebody to go. God the Holy Ghost wants somebody to go. And um, I yeah. promise you this, you get to praying for this world, the need, these needs we've talked about today. Uh, it may be that God lets you go. And uh, that's why a lot of people don't pray for it. But 
Uh, don't let that, as Brother Bob and I both already said, there's no better life than serving Jesus. So, Brother Bob, Amen. you got any closing remarks? I tell you, just, and I tell you, I put this on social media and I, I say to tell the people this you go out on your front porch. I don't know if you live in a country, in the country, out in the country where you might only see one or two houses down your road, or maybe you don't see any houses down your road if you live out in a agricultural area but uh, probably most of you live in a rural uh, i mean in a, a place where there's yes, place where there's houses <laughs> go out on your porch look up and down your street look at every front door and just start praying for people behind those doors yes sir. those are souls behind those doors that's exactly right and you just you just start praying for the people that are immediately accessible to you and I think we've forgotten about that. Yes. Sir. I'll tell you what, I, I won't pre preach his message, but uh, um, Dean McNeese has got one of the greatest messages on the Great Commission. What's so great about the Great Commission? Yes, sir. Have you ever heard that? I've brother? never heard him preach that. You, you listen, you get that. I'll look tape it up that. today. But when he pastored down in Law T, Florida, and and he went around and knocked on doors of people that could see the steeple of his church from their front porch and they didn't even know the church was there how about that and he could literally look up from their porch and see the steeple of his church and uh and uh he 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 preaches a, a message what's so great about the great commission you don't have to go around the world to get into the great commission you got doors right up and yes, down sir. your street Get out on your porch. You just start to pray. Like I prayed that God would send missionaries that knew something about China back in the 1980s to come in the early 1980s to come and spend time with us. And God did that. You start praying for the souls behind the doors up and down your own street. And then you, you write a letter, tell them you love them. You want them to, you want them to know the Lord and go to heaven with you. Yes, write a letter to your neighbors. Put a couple of good pieces of literature in there and just go put it on their door. Yes, sir. Put it in an envelope and deliver it to their door, not take in their mailbox. Cake. Make them take them a cake. Hey, yeah. Be a oh, neighbor. Bake them a cake. Bake them a cake. Yeah. yeah. Be a neighbor. Some... That's right. That's right. We don't have much of that. No. We don't have much of that. This this has robbed us of that. This is yeah. Robbed. It's robbed yeah. us of it. Well, and, and I'll say this in closing. Jesus's last commission, the, the commission, the Great Commission. He said, "Go, uh, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth." He told them to go across the street in Jerusalem and Judea. That's right. That's he told right. them to cross, go across the states in Samaria. That was the same region, just a different province. And then he tells them to go across the seas to the uttermost parts of the earth. And before Same. we worried about the other two, we ought to be concerned and consumed with like what Brother Bob just said right across the street from us and yes. uh, i don't want to know if your neighbor goes to church I don't, i'm not concerned if your neighbor knows who jesus is i'm concerned has your neighbor ever been born again and i wonder right. if you know that i we, i wonder if you know that so uh thank you for watching today as always uh, i want to ask who will go 
and uh, be looking for uh, more episodes of Missionary Monday. Go over again, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Who will go? Subscribe to our Hewitt's for Revival channel. That is uh, uh, almost daily preaching being uploaded. And then go follow us on uh, the same names on Facebook and Instagram. God bless you, Brother Bob. Thank you for allowing or allowing you. us to pick Thank your brain. You, God bless you and your family. Amen. Yes, sir, we love y'all, and uh, God bless you all. Never until quit. yes, sir. Sir, don't ever quit. No, sir, you don't either. Don't ever quit. And uh, thank you for listening today. Share this. Get the word out. Who will go? God bless you. Who will bear the shields away?